This podcast may be explicit in nature and may not be suitable for listeners under the age of 15. Now that that's out of the way, if you're ready to learn some cool shit and have a laugh or two along the way, let's get it. What's up, happy people, and welcome back to another episode of the Culture Marauders podcast, the show where we maraud on all culture and deliver the goods to you, the masses, and the listeners out there. And as always, I am your host, Kells, along with... Rena. That's right, Rena. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, we're back at it, and, um, you know, like I said, we this is a show where we maraud on all cultures and deliver the goods, and we are going to do that today with a really, really cool show. Um, so, you know, uh, it's officially spring. You know, I could tell with the weather, definitely with the pollen, allergies are kicking up, kicking my butt, having me sniffling, snorting, rashes, the whole <laughs> shebang, right? But, yeah, thanks to cortisone, your boy is good. So, <laughs> but um, with that being said, you know, with 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 this being spring, you know, it's a new season, right? So with a new season comes a fresh start. And so, uh, you know, uh, Rena has really, really embraced the new uh, season with, uh, you know, uh, ideal renewal. Uh, healing and being in the present. So before we get started with our guests, you know we got to hit you with the Marauder Minute. So I'm going to go ahead and let Rena take it away with what she's got going on. Yes. So fellow Marauders, I have started a journey to mindfulness. And Florida has a really great center here in Tampa, the Florida Mindfulness Center. In the middle of an area you would you would least expect it. It's a nice little serenity um, in the middle of the city in the hustle and bustle. So it's a, it's been a really great journey, just learning about the mind and how to exercise your mind. Never really thought that that was something that you had to do. I exercise my body every day, but I've never exercised my mind. Um, and meditation is one thing I always wanted to try, just thought I would fall asleep doing it. I think I did a couple of times, but I learned how to really meditate and how how great it felt. It's like a release of your skin from your, your brain. Um, and it really just puts you in a, in a, in a moment where you, you're hearing and you're always thinking and always going. And you just, the monkey mind is what they call it. Your mind's just jumping around from one thought to another thought. Um, and so it just really gives you a place to find comfort, relax, and be able to breathe through stressful situations. And I think that's something that we all need to learn how to do. And I think we've had a lot of stressful situations the last couple of years. Um, and so just, it's been a really 
great journey. And, and I, you know, I definitely inspire people and encourage people to get out and try, you know, to their own journey of mindfulness, whether it's meditation or yoga, which is, you know, very good in, in learning how to control your breath and your breathing and giving you that space to really let go of some of that anger and that frustration. So it's a, a, a great, a great tool to have in your, in your tool bank. So. Yeah, and I definitely see the seen the difference. And you know, Rena's been trying to get me to you know meditate and do some things and the mindfulness. And I've been trying, you know, and I've actually made a a, a solid, deliberate effort to try to uh, just kind of be in the present. And uh, we were outside one night just having some wine, and it, it, the rain kicked up. And she's like, "Just walk in the rain and just let your feet feel the ground and just be one with nature." And I'm like, "All right, let me try it." Right, so I'm walking, and you know, there is a piece in nature, right? You smell, and once you open your mind and, and just open up. You know, you can smell and hear things and, and just things that you normally just kind of just kind of bypass you. And you're like, oh, whatever, it's a bird squawking or, you know, this and that. But no, when you really do that, there is a, a, a sense of calm and peace with that. So I really appreciate that. And I'm glad that's working out for you. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to, you know, give it a try <laughs> and uh, maybe just try to find that inner peace and in, uh, this life of turmoil and stuff that we have going around. So it's always good to have that. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So fellow Marauders, like I said, we got a really, really cool show for y'all today. Um, we are very fortunate to have our guest on today. And uh, we are going to be marauding on mindfulness, um, you know, and mental health. Um, you know, like I said, it's, uh, you know, the new season. And even Karina said it just with, you know, taking that time just to be. And uh, I don't think we do that. You exercise your body, you know, you, and all those other things. But our mind is the thing that we often neglect. And that shows sometimes in our in our day-to-day -day actions and interactions with others. So, fellow Marauders, I want to introduce y'all to our guest. He is a lecturer and author of the really cool book, Urban Monk, Exploring Karma and Consciousness um, and the Divine, which is a really, really good read, y'all. And we got the author right here. And um, yeah, and, and like I say, he's a monk and it's really cool to have him. So please welcome to the show, Pandit Dasa, aka the Urban Monk. What's up, Pandit? How you doing? Hey, thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm doing great. Right. All right. All right. So, look, this is something that we do, um, you know, listeners and, and, you know, fellow marauders out there. Y'all know what it is. Whenever we bring a new face on here, uh, a first time guest, we got to break him in right with the icebreaker. Right. So the icebreaker could be, you know, one of a number of things. Either we ask you an off the wall question, um, you know, or just uh, your take on a current event or something like that. Just something to break you in. But listen, Pandy. you got to get this right. You just can't come here, just throw out some random answer like that or whatever. Otherwise, you're not going to get the keys to the castle. You got to do it. Bless you. You'll be the wrong going forward. If I don't get it right, if I don't get it right, a cane's going to come out like at the Apollo and just like pull me out. Is that going to happen? Don't duck it. The person is hiding. We just don't tell you where. But no, so no, just a chance to, you know, just get you loose, get you, you know, in the flow and ready to rock with us here on the Culture Marauders podcast. So. So our icebreaker question, and I think you kind of got a, a, a taste of what's going on, especially with the theme for this episode. So um, I ask you, you know, what do you think about the Will Smith Oscar uh, situation with Chris Rock? Because it just came out today that Will Smith has been banned from the Oscars and anything regarding the Academy for the next 10 years. And that's a long time. But, you know, hey, actions have consequences. So let me let me uh, get your uh, your perspective on that. Yeah, that's definitely uh it was, I have to first of all say it was absolutely shocking when I first saw it. I thought it was part of like the skit or something. Everybody thought that. <laughs> oh, okay. everybody thought that. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. And then like a few hours later, 
I, I checked it out again and it's like, oh, it really happened? I'm like, no. And then, <laughs> yeah, like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I thought it was just like a skit because you got Chris Rock and Will Smith, like, okay, two comedians, actors, perfect. It's the two, you know, that can make that happen. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then when I saw the thing, actually him hit him, I actually felt like a little sensation in my stomach, like just yeah. kind of like, felt like, um, I don't know, just like you ate something bad. Mm -hmm. uh, I felt my like literally, I'm not just making it up. I felt something weird in my stomach. And I guess it was because it was so public. Um, and it was such as also like an elegant, sophisticated event. Yeah. And it's been somebody whose music I've been listening to and I've been watching since for 35 years, like since the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air came out, like I was watching those. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, parents just don't understand that those songs. That was like one of my songs, you know. And so I I've been watching him uh, since I was like in high school. And so, and then, you know, lately I've seen so many of his videos talking about positivity and motivation and inspiration. So, so it was definitely caught me by surprise and by shock. And, of, and of course, what happened there was not the correct way for him to respond and not to go physically assault someone on, on stage in, okay. If it was a bar fight, you'd be like, okay, all right. Two guys got drunk. Okay. He's, he's human. And then I would have, that would have been almost a little bit more acceptable, but because it was at the Oscar, everyone's in a tuxedo. It's an elegant, prestigious event. Everyone in Hollywood and all the prestigious folks are there. Okay. Like I said, if it's a bar fight, all right, something crazy happened. That's supposed to happen at a bar, I guess, but not there. That's not where it happens. So, you know, first for the first several days, I was just like, you know, yeah, that, that was kind of disappointing. And that was, I was like, you know, that's definitely not how to respond. And now videos of him are surfacing in which he talks about violence can never be condoned. I could never see myself being, you know, violent towards someone. And so, and then the more I thought about it, like days went by, I really thought about it. And I realized that, you know, even though what he did was wrong, you know, he had a human moment. Yes. And, and I asked myself, I'm like, is it possible for me or for any human being to, to be pushed to a certain point that would drive us to violence? Mm -hmm. And the answer to that has to be yes. We can all be pushed to a point of hitting someone or hurting someone very badly. Mm -hmm. If someone says, no, I would never do that, are you sure? Okay, bring your family members out. Let me just see if I can poke them in a way that you want to like physically jump on me and like beat the crap out of me. Right. Well, no human being can say, I'm going to be Zen even if I see you attacking my family members. I'm like, well, that's not Zen, that's insanity. Right. And of course, no one was being physically attacked here. Right. But still, all human beings can get pushed to a limit. And when that limit is crossed, we can do things that are inhuman. <clears throat> or aggressive or violent or not so cultured or appropriate. And we honestly don't know what is happening in his private life, mm -hmm. what arguments he might have had with Jada or the kids or someone else, maybe his agent or a friend let him down the day, an hour before or 30 minutes before, or maybe his car broke down or maybe he received some horrible news or maybe things have been rough for the last six months to a year. Maybe things have just been going wrong. And now all he needed was that one look from Jada to make sure. Yep. Yeah, that was that. So it wasn't the look from Jada 
that was the straw that broke the camel's back because there's usually never just one thing that drives us into something crazy. That's what she said when it happened. She goes, there's something else there. There's something else. Yeah. It's not even something. It's many things are there. There's a whole stockpile, stack of stuff that's there on top of which one look was the last thing that he could handle. And it's still mind boggling that he did that. Like to, to see him doing that or to see anyone do something like that. It's like, you know, when you see like two boxers face off when they're getting weighed in, okay, that's understood. Right. right? But you realize that there is some, a lot of pain and stuff going on. So the last thing we need to do is judge him for whatever action he did there, mm-hmm. because that's easy for us to do. Yes. It's the, the yeah, the media will take care of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's easy for us to, and human beings love pulling others down, especially the kind of success he's at since a teenager. Like it's just been up and up and up. Everything he touches turns to gold. Right. And so, you know, here's a chance. All oh, right, let's grab him, pull him down. Mm-hmm. Right. So why do that? And I think it also doesn't negate. Right. First of all, we don't judge him now because we have as many faults as anyone else. Like, honestly, we all have them. They're all in there. We just don't, we're just not as public figures. If we were public figures, they'd be showing up a lot more. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd be hiding out also if, if, if we were in that situation. And so one is that we don't need to judge him uh, just because we could do the same exact thing. And, and of course, you know, yeah, just to understand that we all could, are capable of doing the exact same thing if got pushed far enough. So I think that we need to continue right now to just look in the mirror mm-hmm. and ask ourselves, what could push me to doing that? And if we're honest, we'll come up with a list of things that could actually push us to do that. And also the other point I was making is it also doesn't negate all the positive messages he has put out there. Exactly, exactly. You know, that's- right. I think that's what makes me so sad about the whole situation. You know, I mean, to me, Chris Rock's not funny anyway. But to to have, you know, not only, you know, just two influential, you know, comedians out there, you know, just going at it and everything, the fallout from it. And you're right. People have just completely forgot about all the good things this, this guy has done, um, everything he's gone through. And then cancel just, culture. yeah, and it's the cancel culture. And I, I'm going to be honest with you, I think the cancel culture is BS because it, it turns our, our society into a one mistake culture. And it's like, that's, that's not the way to go about things. You have to make mistakes in order to learn and be better. And we're preventing that, you know, with, with this cancel culture thing that we got going. Yeah, exactly. And it's unfortunate, you know, I mean, he's, he's having to introspect and reflect in ways that he probably hasn't so far. And that's good for him. This needed to happen perhaps for him to think about what his life and which is great. We all go through these difficult and embarrassing moments so we can reflect and become a little bit more humble. And I think, you know, if there is positive messages he's put out, it doesn't negate all of that. Because if you look at, and I won't get into specifics um, because I don't want to overstep my own knowledge base, but some of the most prominent figures in history who have done amazing things, have had some horrible personal lives mm-hmm. and like really just immoral personally lived their life. People who have transformed the world in terms of leadership. <laughs> and again, I won't get into names because I don't know all the specifics. 
Hey, we want you around. I don't know who's out there lurking. Yeah, I'm not going to go any specific personalities, but a lot of these powerful personalities who have shaped the world we live in have had some pretty bad habits. Yeah. And now are we going to take away from everything that they've done, the, the things that they've provided to us in terms of freedom and technology and all of these things? Do we all take all that away? No, we don't because we realize they're human beings just like any of us. So we have to learn to take the good and the bad, just like we have to learn to take the good with the bad with our own selves. Yes. Right. So, so those are my thoughts and, you know, my thoughts and prayers go out to both of them and that, uh, you know, they both gained something from this. They both learned something from this. Hopefully the best thing would be if they're both able to come together and mend their relationship. Cause I, I don't know what the truth is. And when it comes to this stuff, media and celebrities, I don't pay that much attention to it. But hopefully they come together and find a way to mend things. And you know what? There would be nothing more powerful and inspirational on TV and on the news if these guys came together and just sort of like forgave each other, gave each other a hug and talked it out and figured it out and, you know, just showed the world that that was one incident that happened at the Oscars. But what we're doing now is a million times more powerful. Right. And I'm pretty sure Jada's planning that right now for her Red Table Talk to bring them both in and <laughs> mend fences. It, it won't be on the Oscars for about 10 years, but maybe Jada will figure something out. So. But look, yeah. hey, that is, that's probably the best icebreaker right. we've had. We've had some incredible guests. And uh, yeah. I All like right. the, the human factor, giving them the, the right to have a moment, you know, and being acceptable of those moments. I like the way you put that. Yeah. See, see, fellow brothers, this is why we bring people <laughs> like Pandit on this show the insight and all this stuff. So, hey, we appreciate it. And with that being said, you are officially a Marauder, Pandit. Um, unfortunately, you don't get nothing for it, but hey, welcome aboard. So we appreciate you. I'm glad I didn't get a hook, so. <laughs> hey, I was about to snap my finger and it was about to come out on you, but you, you pulled through. No, just joking. We appreciate that. So let's get into get into your story, man. I mean, your, your book, the Urban Monk book, man, I was, I was I was blown away, man. I was just like, how? Like how not only is the story is is super interesting and, and is you know, there's so much insight and, and uh, hearing your background. Yeah, just hearing your and background your family and, life and then Yeah, how? just your journey, you know, for, for the, the listeners out there. Just give us a brief taste on, you know, just you know, how how did you start on this journey? Just a brief, you know, touch on your background without going through, you know, the two hundred some pages in the book. <laughs> you know, just a brief background on, 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 you know, this journey, how you got started on this journey to mindfulness. So obviously it's a, it is a long journey. You know, I, I, I grew up in Southern California. My parents had migrated from India to the U.S. in 1980 with the hopes of, you know, economic freedom. They came over with next to num nothing, very simple, very humble beginnings. And one of the first things they did was set up a small shop on Venice Beach, California, just selling gift items. I was seven years old running around. You know, just exploring the beach and Did you surf? music. Learn how to surf. Huh? Did you learn how to surf? I learned how to boogie board. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, <what I> mean. <laughs> that's all we know too. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, just exploring everything Venice Beach had. That was my first exposure and introduction to America and American culture, which was a very interesting place to get introduced to America because most of the most of the rest of America isn't exactly like that. Right. <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, within a, my parents were working seven days a week, within a matter of about eight years, they established a multi-million dollar jewelry business. 
And we began living the American dream much faster than we expected to. We didn't expect to have that kind of success that quickly. And I think it was a lot of hard work and luck combined. Mm -hmm. It's a combination of both that I feel like leads to success. Because a lot of people work hard, <laughs> but not everybody gets noticed and doesn't get those amazing offers sometimes, right? right? And so, and then everything was good for a while. Then in the early 1990s, my parents' jewelry factory actually caught on fire and burnt down. We ended up losing everything. Like we went almost completely broke. And then at that time, my dad decided to explore new business opportunities and he decided to check them out in post-communist Bulgaria. Mm -hmm. So we packed up our life, packed up our bags, sold whatever we had and moved off to Bulgaria in 1993. Just to give you an idea what Bulgaria was like, the kind of environment we were moving to, since it had just come out of communism, like no one spoke English. So it's like, I could not, we could not have conversations with anyone. And which is why it made it an interesting business prospect also, because they didn't have much, mm. but the challenges were pretty huge. And everything on TV was either in Bulgarian or Russian. So I couldn't even watch TV. There was nothing on TV to watch for me. Everything in the movie theaters, like I think they didn't let American movies in during communism. Right. So everything that was in was like three or four years old, which means I'd seen everything. Yeah. And you know, all the sports that I used to love playing, tennis, basketball, none of that was really available. I mean, I didn't have a social life anywhere. There was no internet. So you can imagine right. yeah. <laughs> a lot of time on my hand. And that's when I, you know, in the middle of this turbulent crisis and this major upheaval that I just went through and a complete halt of my social life, I just began to question the meaning of life, the purpose of life. Why is this happening to me? How long is this going to keep happening? Am I going to get back to life the way it was? All of these questions. And in the middle of all of this, I just needed something to calm my mind. And I started to practice some meditation and mindfulness. Um, this was in the early 1990s. And usually people practice mindfulness at a yoga retreat or go to Thailand or India. I did it in Bulgaria. <laughs> Post you got to start somewhere. <laughs> you got to start somewhere. For me, it happened there. And I, I can say that it really helped me get through these challenging times that I was going through. Uh, and then in, we spent two, two and a half years there and then came back to the U.S., to the East Coast. Where my parents set up a small retail operation in New York City in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. I helped them with that a little. And then I just realized that I needed to press pause on my life, step on the brakes, and just take a moment to think about what in the world I'm doing, where I'm going from here, and where I want to go from here. Right. And so I decided to go for a one-month retreat. That was it, like a one-month retreat to Mumbai, India, mm -hmm. and to, to live with monks, to learn how to meditate properly, to learn about philosophy, to learn about life, to learn about spirituality. So here I am flying off to Mumbai, India. And I land in this monastery where everyone, there's 40 monks living there, and everybody sleeps on a hardwood floor with a very thin straw mat. There's no cushions, no one has a bed, no one has a mattress, and everybody slept basically next to each other. So there's like three, three big sort of like halls mm -hmm. and about 12 to 15 monks per space. And so, and then we'd all wake up at four in the morning, mad dash to the communal bathrooms. <laughs> we had to be in the meditation space by five. <laughs> basic training. Yeah, it, it does. It does sound like basic training because it's breaking you down to the bare, bare bones, bare essence, yeah. and building you from there. So no, I, yeah, that, that's yeah. That's it was kind of like that. I mean, uh, of course, in a you know much more spiritual setting, <laughs> you know. Uh, and then we would practice meditation from f for the next few hours, from five o'clock, and the rest of the day was 
spent serving one another, helping to cook, to clean, serving the community. And to my own surprise, I fell in love with that lifestyle that I felt a certain contentment in the monastery that I hadn't felt even when I was a millionaire. I felt something in my heart just fill up, which I, an experience that I hadn't felt before. And that was really powerful. And that made me think, I'm like, wow, I wonder what, why am I feeling this here? I'm living out of a suitcase, not a six bedroom house on the hills of Los Angeles with a pool and jacuzzi, but I'm sleep, living out of a sleeping bag, uh, out of a suitcase and sleeping on the floor and sharing a bathroom, like of, you know, five bathrooms with 40 monks. Like, how am I feeling more content? And I just realized that, you know, you don't need that much in life to actually be happy if you have good relationships, if you're surrounded by like-minded people, if you're, if you're making a difference in people's lives, that's where really happiness comes from. And I could see that all their, their whole life was about simplicity, humility, and service. Right. And that really grew on me. So from that one month, I spent six months in India, traveled to a few monasteries, came back to New York City and moved into a monastery in New York on the Lower East Side. Uh, so it's a pretty wild place. It's kind of like Venice Beach, just without the beach. And <laughs> a lot of characters out there, right? <laughs> a lot of characters and all within like a few blocks of each other. So <laughs> Venice Beach, like a zip file of Venice Beach, yeah. condensed, right? Thick and condensed. So, you know, the, the right next to the monastery, there was a tattoo shop. Mm. And the next three establishments were bars and restaurants. Across the street, there was an underground nightclub, and you can only imagine, if you want to imagine, what happened in there. Right. Next to that, there was a funeral home, and then there were some pizza shops and laundromats. So it's like all within a block, you could get breakfast. If you feel spiritual, you could go to the monastery. You want a tattoo, that can be done. Mm -hmm. If you die, there's a funeral oh, home okay. there, too. <laughs> Birth and death, all on one block. It can all be taken. Yeah, care a New York of. slice of pizza folded in half with the grease dripping off. You got the whole wow, thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> While walking down the street. <laughs> so let me ask you, when when you you know decided to leave and go to Mumbai, your 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 family, of course, did they try to talk you out of it? Like, you know, what was what was their take on, on your uh, on your decision? They were a little concerned. But they realized that he's already been through so much and I guess he just needs a space. And at that point, I mean, I knew I was going to go because life as it is just wasn't working out for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, it's just been a roller coaster. And I've been on a roller coaster with my parents. I'm like, I need to go explore my life right now on my own. And uh, you know, as an Indian family, we're pretty close. And there's a whole thing about obedience to parents and just like respect to parents. You kind of really listen to what they do and what they say. And so at this, at this point, I was just like, you know, I have to, if I don't do this for myself, I might just stay on some kind of strange roller coaster ride that I'm going to regret at some point. And so there was mild resistance, not a lot, not mm -hmm. a lot, because it seemed that I was visiting monasteries in New York and things like that. They saw that I was on a pretty serious spiritual path. So mm -hmm. they didn't fully express everything on their mind. And, but I could see that, I mean, I knew that they were a little concerned, but at that point I was so ready to jump ship and explore that there was nothing that was going to stop me. So, you know, I, I don't think any parents would be thrilled to see their only uh, child going to a monastery. And, uh, you know, but yeah, so they let me go. They didn't stop me, but they were concerned like any parent would be. Okay. Yeah, and you were so young to still, you know, decide this on your own at, you know, at that age, I would feel, you know, 
just starting off on this journey, but I'm much older than you were when you started yours. And so to, I guess to be in that mindset is just um, at that younger age. Yeah, to know. To, yeah, know. to know. And, well, you know, the thing is, life got me into that mindset. Like the stuff that I've been through, the upheavals, like even mm-hmm. moving back, moving to the East Coast was not easy because I didn't know anybody there. It was a, another fresh start. And so life had sufficiently humbled me, uh, taken things away from me, and showed me what life is all about, that life is so temporary. And no matter what we have, anything and everything is temporary, and anything and everything can be taken away by by life. And so the what are we trying to hold on to? Like holding on to things in this world is kind of like holding on to water in your hand. Like you can do that, but a moment later, it's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. And so that was the realization I was getting. I'm like, well, if everything is temporary, and I've seen that there's no reason we should have gone from being millionaires to broke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, well, if we can lose all that, anything could go. So let me use my time to learn about life mm-hmm. and figure this out a little bit before I go on my next sort of adventure. Um, so life created situations that brought me to a mindset where I was just like, I got to go check this out. And I didn't think I was going to go become a monk for any number of years. It was like a retreat I was taking for myself. Uh, okay. Hold that, hold that thought on that portion. I want to shift to another topic while we're talking about, you know, people wanting to hold on and stuff like that. So let's talk about, you know, the way of the world currently. Uh, you know, we're seeing a lot more uh, aggression towards each other, a lot more disrespect, uh, you know, uh, just being civil to each other and, and stuff like that. And, you know, we just hit it, you know, with the icebreaker question about the Will Smith and Chris Rock situation. Do you see, well, of course, I know you see it, but why do you think this is, is uh, for the reason why we're so short with each other nowadays and, and we don't give each other the, the grace and the courtesy that we once did? You know, I, I think about this and I'm like, I don't know if it's just now. I think the history of the world, we've always been short with each other. I mean, like, look at India. It was raided for the, about 800 years and it was looted and pillaged for 800 years, you know, uh, for you know, before, immediate, before, what Gandhi fought for. It was just freedom from the British. Yeah. And, you know, before that, it was just the whole Mohammedan empire, the Muslim empire. So 900 years, and it was brutal. Anytime a country invades another, it was brutal, mm-hmm. right? And then we've seen just also just the colonization of the world, <laughs> right? That's happened. Um, and so I just, I think it's actually history. It seems like it now, but if you look at history, people have been always very aggressive towards each other and have not that the kindness hasn't existed, but people have always tried to conquer yes, and, um, you know, capture mm-hmm. and want to show that their superiority over another culture. Right. And they've been doing this since the beginning of time. People have always tried to, they, they're not satisfied with what they have, or they want to feel better than others. So they're always on a quest to conquer, capture, to sort of like, Acquire, yeah. Acquire and dominate other personalities, other cultures, other religions. Religions have done a horrible job of killing each other because of a, you're worshiping another god or mine. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like that in itself is an ignorant statement because there's only one god. And so it's like, you know, so I think that it's not just now. I think because of social media, 
we're much more hyper aware of it. Mm. I think it's always been there. What's happening with Russia and Ukraine, it's not a new thing. It's been happening throughout time. I mean, like I said, I can just give it India as an example, a thousand years of rule. <laughs> and, you know, it was one of the wealthiest nations on the planet. It's just like robbed for, a th- can you imagine being robbed for like 900 years? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I can, but I, I understand what you're saying. And even, you know, I, I just read recently that Jamaica um, is declaring their independence from British, you know, from British uh, rule. And yeah, I, th- I think the world is kind of waking up. It's like, well, why? You yeah. know, we're starting to see that where, you know, it is an awakening. Question yeah. More, and, right. More than anything, because of, like you said, social media, I think yeah. just yeah. Yeah, like you know, like we're aware of racism in America. Racism's been there in India again, just when you know the British rule was there. Mm-hmm. Basically, they made Indians feel like their language, their culture was um, very primitive. Mm-hmm. Their culture, their language, their religion, everything was all primitive. And so therefore, let's convert, mm-hmm. right? That's racism. <laughs> That's been happening. And, and, and I think within cultures, people are racist of each other too. Even colorism and things like that. So I mean, you're right. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It's just very weird, weird thing. Just is it? Is it just? Yeah, exactly. It's just how we are as humans. I don't know if there's anything that can change it unless you. You know, I mean, we can always change if we want to. We have to get this whole idea of ego out of our system. That you know. That the whole idea that wanting to be better than someone else, that my skin color makes me better than yours, my religion makes me better than yours. Like, unless we can stop doing that, and I don't think humans will stop doing that, as if we do that, there will always be hate, right? As long as we want to feel superior to another person and we find ways to do it whether it's my wealth status, whether it's my intelligence or the school I went to, the parents I had where I grew up, we find ways, and even us driving down the street, walking down the street, we'll size people up mm-hmm. subtly. And I'm like, I catch myself doing it. I'm like, this is so crazy. Why does my ego want to do that? Why does it need to feel better than that person right there? Like, it doesn't make any yeah. sense. Here, though, two animals do that. In, in it's domination, it's right? Dominant. Yeah. It's, it's a feeling of, yeah, I don't know. Like, Even so when yeah. you're in the gym, you look, you notice, you know, people are looking at each other like, oh man, how much are they looking? How much yeah. One of those things. And whether you really are cognizant that you're doing it, you're still doing it. You you're know? still doing it. And, and I think that if we want to change, at least we have to catch ourselves when we do it and say, this is not serving me at all. This is actually bringing me down. This is bringing, this is lowering my mindset. And at least we have to be able to tell ourselves that. And we may still keep doing it, but catch ourselves as much as possible and really say that, you know, I don't want to be this person that needs to feel better about myself by upping myself one level to a stranger who I know nothing about. I don't need to make myself feel better by pushing someone else down. I don't need to be that person. And so that is hard work. Judging, making ourselves feel better. That's easy. That's what we do it. We do it a thousand times a day. Not doing it is the real growth process. That's the real hard work. That's yeah. like, that's hard, hard, hard work. And not enough, many people, not enough people are going to want to do that. But those who will, they'll be enlightened. Mm-hmm. They'll be happier. They'll be better. 
they will inspire others to do good things in life. All right, well said. Fellow Marauders, we got the Urban Monk, Pandit Dasan here, dropping some knowledge on us about, you know, just being and, and you know, his spiritual journey and, you know, the way he sees the world and, and where ego, ego pretty much is a source of a lot of, uh, you know, our problems and, and, and things like that. So, yeah, stay tuned, stay, stay locked mm -hmm. in. So let's shift back, right? So you talked about your time away, you know, when we're talking about, you know, life unplugged in a way, basically where, you know, you were, like you said, you stayed with about 40 months living, or, living in a, a three hallways with a hard floor and a, and a little mat and all those things. What was your biggest takeaway in those early years, those formative years of your journey as a monk in, in your experience? What was the biggest takeaway you, you, you got from it? Well, one of the things when I, especially when I moved back to New York and was living in a monastery there, the camaraderie with the monks was very powerful. Uh, just, be, just having people of like-mindedness not that we were all the same, not that we always thought alike or that we agreed upon everything, but we had a similar goal in life was to realize what our purpose in life is and who we are. Are we just this physical material body or is there something spiritual inside us? And is this material body just like a, just like a car and this driver? Like, do I know the driver? Yeah. I see the car. Do I know the driver? Who is the driver? And like, we all wanted to know who that driver was. And so being around people who want to know that, it was powerful to be able to be around like-minded people because you can't have those conversations like, hey, who do you think you are? It's like, what, what, are you, what the hell are you talking about? You know? <laughs> it's like, no, wait, who really are you? Do you think, are you like the skin? Mm. Are you the teeth? Are you the hands? Are you the eyes? Well, if you're not these things, then who are you? Mm. Right? Like, who, who really are you? And so these are powerful questions of what's the universe about? So being around like-minded individuals was a very powerful experience and I realized how that can help, really help us grow spiritually. And also that's where I sort of found my calling um, of speaking publicly. Like, you know, I go to corporations and speak on mindful leadership and mindfulness. As a monk, I was asked to teach others. So I was going to co uh, college campuses like Columbia University, New York University and teaching mindfulness, meditation, stress management to the students, vegetarian cooking classes and other things like that you know, dressed as a monk. So there was a lot of talk around campus as a monk that teaches meditation, like an actual monk. So a lot of people were coming to my programs. And, you know, growing up, I was very shy, very timid, and really, really did not like public speaking. Mm. And it's really so funny that that's what I do for a living. Now, it, it's just like the thing that you hated and were terrified of is what you became, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you're, you're afraid of heights and you become a firefighter or something, right? So, mm -hmm. so you know, I, I started teaching and I realized that when I felt so good after teaching, because especially students would come up and say, you know, I feel so much better about what's happening in my life. I feel so much calmer. I had so many difficult tests this week, and I had a difficult situation with my relationship with my parents, but this meditation really helped me. This philosophy really helped me. And I realized that, wow, serving others, helping others is so satisfying. Like growing up in LA, it was like, Cars, money, and partying, and yeah, yeah. like I'm not thinking about like serving. Like that wasn't like that would never cross my mind. About being served at a restaurant, you know, <laughs> getting your next meal or getting something like that. Yeah, or right. serving myself, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, but not like selflessly without expectation or any remuneration. Like just giving myself to others, and that's when I realized, like, wow, this is what I'm meant to do: is to serve others. 
And that was like the big aha moment. Uh, even though the first few years of speaking publicly and teaching were really hard because I hated it to such a degree, I can't tell you about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was, one of the, it was really, really rough. Like I would just be perspiring profusely, you know? Um, like I would just like be, everything would just be soaked afterwards. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so glad it's over. It was really bad. And, but I realized that the sacrifice I made to do the uncomfortable thing that I was asked to do, the, the payoff was incredible. Like the satisfaction in the heart was incredible. Seeing the gratitude on their faces is, was priceless. One student at Columbia told me, the best time for me at Columbia University was coming to your programs. That was the highlight of my university experience. I'm like, whoa, people dream to be at an Ivy League college. Like this kid got here somehow. And the highlight of his visit was like my programs. And I'm like, wow. And I could never understand what transformed inside of them, what's happening inside of them. And that's their own journey that they're experiencing. And I don't know, but I was like, well, whatever I'm doing, I need to keep doing this. And and that's why when I left the monastic life eight years ago, I started doing that in corporations uh, in a similar, because I'm like, I got to keep doing this kind of work if that's possible. Very cool. Very, very cool. Did you have a question mm -hmm. about, uh, about the New York experience coming back? Yeah, I have a you know, question in regards to the you know, unplugged in a way. And mm -hmm. I know you have a book, another book that we're going to get and read as well. And it was unplugging the apps in your, in your mind and, um, I just thought it was really intriguing, not only an intriguing title, but, you know, just, it, it, you know, learning about mindfulness and learning that there are so many things that are going on in there. So what was your, you know, motivation behind putting that book together? What are you hoping to, that it will help others? With? So I, so it's, it's a, so the title is Closing the Apps, How to Be Mindful at Work and at Home. And I wrote it during the pandemic because when I was lecturing in the, in corporations, when I, mean, when I still lecture in the corporations, I know that people wanted something to take away afterwards, something that they could open up, read, and learn more about things that, because I know my speeches were about an hour. And so I wrote the book as a follow-up tool for people to take back with them. So if they liked what I said, if they want to go deeper in how to be mindful at work, how to be mindful with your colleagues, if you're a leader in leadership role, how to be mindful with your direct reports, like how to really be mindful. If you want to get more detail, then after the talk, you could get the book off of Amazon and go deeper in it. There's writing exercises. So that was my motivation is to put, because people were asking, like, is, do, do you have something more? And I just had a few articles that I'd written. I'm like, yeah, I'll send you some links to some articles They're on their website. I'm like, no, this is not good. I should just write something out. And then I'm like, it's a pandemic. No one's going anywhere. Let me start writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so that's really, the, I think the, uh, it was a need that people had and they were asking me about. And the pandemic also to some degree did facilitate the fact that we weren't meeting our friends doing anything. So I was like, let me just start writing something. Very cool, very cool. Well, let's talk about, you know, the Urban Monk portion, right? And, and just even more outside of the book. You were, you know, when you came back, uh, you know, to the States after your time in India, what was that like? Like being away, detached and everything, and you come back and you're right back in the middle of the storm and not just any storm, the media capital of the world where you have the lights and you, you know, you mentioned all the different shops and stuff like that. Was it almost like a culture shock in, in a sense, coming back and just kind of being immersed, directly immersed, thrown back into that situation in that environment? Mildly it was. Um, the monastery in Mumbai was also in the middle of a city. Mm. Okay. And 
Mumbai makes New York City, in terms of traffic, look like the suburbs. <laughs> uh, and that's not an exaggeration. Like, so if you take a block of New York City and the number of cars that go by, if you quadruple that, that's Mumbai. I know it's hard to fathom until you actually see it, but that's actually the reality. Mm -hmm. And so because I was in that very busy urban environment, of course, there weren't like nightclubs everywhere and just like craziness, that kind of thing. So it wasn't like I was in a monastery in, on a mountaintop in the cave. Okay. Or it was literally right, right. Half a block out and crossing the street is a little dangerous. Like just the cars just go by. It's it's so much so much foot traffic. There's cars. There's bicycles. There's scooters. There's three wheel taxis and sometimes an occasional cow will walk by too. You know, it's just like mayhem. And so because I was went from there to New York, it wasn't such a culture shock because I was if I was if I was living in like a mountainous area or mm -hmm. fields of grass in a monastery, there probably would have been a greater culture shock. Uh, but so in that way, there was a mild culture shock, but not in any kind of an extreme way. I was kind of excited. <laughs> All right. All right. But even doing that, like, I, you know, for me, you know, when I, when I do meditation in the morning and stuff, I'm like, I need like quiet and peace and just, you know, I, I listen to the nature. But I was like, I, if I'm out there in the morning, I have to watch my time because in the lawn, people are out there early in the morning. And I'm yeah. like, I can't do it right here. I've got to go somewhere else. So I don't know how when we talk about urban muck. I'm like, I don't know how you did it in, the, in such a busy, high rush environment and finding a a moment of peace, <laughs> quiet well, and serenity. You no, know, when you mention the lawnmowers, I'll give you a suggestion that do it when the lawnmowers show up and try to see if you can find calm while they're there. See if you can try to not like challenge. <laughs> easy, Penny. Easy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, sorry, I didn't realize I turned on monk mode accidentally. Monk mode, all right. <laughs> I didn't realize sometimes I turned that on accidentally. So it's like, it's like a hidden power, monk mode, right? <laughs> you know, like that is a way to challenge yourself. Like if that's what frustrates you, to say, you know what, today I'm going to see if I don't get frustrated. See if you can find calm, accept the noise, like accept that it's there because the mind has 50 lawnmowers, outside is only one. Mm. Right. So if you can deal with that noise and accept it and be peaceful. So the next time someone's yelling at you, you can just imagine that's a lawnmower. And I'm already used to dealing with a lawnmower. So you see, so I'm not saying always do that. Take your find your quiet spaces. If something random shows up, if dog just doesn't stop barking or people are yelling outside, because when I would wake up on the lower east side, we were on First Avenue where actually like the bars are. And at 4 or 5 a.m., the bars closed. So you could hear like the drunken chatter on the sidewalks while we're meditating. Sometimes you could hear people screaming, yelling, cursing, fights happening, police sirens. Like we could hear all of that. So life is always going to be noisy. And our mind is the noisiest place on the planet anyways. The traffic jam didn't slow down during the pandemic. So when those noises do come up, tell yourself, Great. Here's my chance to up my game a little. Let me see if I can accept it and just stay inward and stay focused. It's like when you go to the gym, right? We talk about working out the mind. 
do you always do you, what what would be the point if you never added weight to your lifts and a challenge right challenge yourself yeah. so right. here is your challenge so if you are a noise shows up well that's life you could be walking down the street and something crazy happens your life turns upside down so let's challenge ourselves when that lawnmower shows up or something happens say you know what it's unpleasant, but let me see if I can just get back to the breathing that I'm doing and let it be. I'm not going to, I'm choosing not to let it disturb me, right? So, so, not, so you don't always go to the lawnmower, but when it does show up, then you accept it. Sure. So just a thought. Well, that was a deep thought, man. That was, a deep thought, man. <laughs> that was, that was uh, some knowledge right there because you never really think of it that way, right? Like, you know, okay, it's out there. What are you controlling? Challenge yourself. Can you push through this? So most of us be like, hey, I give up. Oh, I, that I, doesn't mean come out there and start bothering me when you see me. That's my. Hey, I'm gonna throw the pillow. Pandit, we got a new zip line for the kids. I can just <laughs> ride on it in front of her. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'll probably pull the tree down, so I, I won't do that. But. <laughs> so before we, you know, we let you get up out of here, man. We really, really appreciate your time. Can you drop a look? You've been dropping knowledge on us the whole time, but can you give you know some of our listeners just a little something to take with them? Um, you know, we're gonna definitely uh, you know talk about you know promote the book and all the things that you're doing in your appearances. Can you drop a little nugget on them? Just you know, just how to get through the the daily grind and uh, just find some peace within that time. Yeah, one I think important message that I've been speaking a lot about in organizations is that you know self care is not selfish, mm-hmm. and that if we really want to show up. In, in, in our full capacity at our work or for our family, friends, or community, we need to make sure that we're putting our own oxygen mask on first. Like the airline industry tells us, put your own oxygen mask on before helping you, even your child. And that's not, they're not telling us to be selfish because if you're lose consciousness, your child's not going to make it anyways after that. So, but you need to be conscious too. And then the other thing is, you know, since we are talking a little bit about mental health, that there's no reason to be embarrassed if we're struggling with our mental health. There's no reason to be embarrassed about that. Are we embarrassed to go to a dentist if we have a toothache? No. Are we embarrassed to go to a doctor for some other problem in our body? We're not. So we shouldn't be embarrassed about if we're feeling depression, if we're feeling anxiety, if we're feeling frustration, prolonged frustration or depression. If we need to seek help, then we should. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. A body is a machine and our mind is a machine. They both need to be taken care of. If we don't take care of them, now where I think as a society, we're very focused on taking the car to the car wash, but not changing the oil. Mm-hmm. That's how we treat this. We, t- we take a nice shower, put on cool clothes and everything and act cool, but inside there's chaos happening because we haven't looked under the hood. And so I think it's really important that we're not embarrassed about our mental health. It is, it's just, because there is no health without mental health. That's the thing that I'd like to leave us with is that pay attention to it, do what you need to, to take care of it. Don't feel embarrassed about it. Be confident about it. Do what you need to do to take care of your physical and mental health. All right, there it is. you know, I was going to say the same thing, but it just sounds better coming from Panda's <laughs> mouth, you know, so no. I'm just <laughs> Thank you so much for that, man. Thank you so much. So uh, let the listeners know, where can they find you out in the world? Um, you know, where are you going to be appearing? Uh, any social media, anything like that you have out there? 
So yeah, I'm very active on LinkedIn and Instagram. I post on there every single day and my handle is just Pandit Dasa, my name, right? Mm -hmm. So just look that up. And if you Google me, my website shows up and it talks about all the different speech topics that I give in companies, my coaching programs there. Both of my books are listed on there. So my website has a lot of information, articles and everything. It can kind of keep you busy for a little while. If you just want to follow me on social media for quick inspiration, you can do that as well. You know, so uh, and you know, my contact information is available on all three of these platforms. All right. Sounds good. OK, so let the Marauders know, um, you know, any shout outs, any thank yous or anybody you want, you know, you want to acknowledge uh, before we wrap up. I just want to thank you both for allowing me to be on your show and for engaging me in such a conscious conversation about such important issues. So I want to thank you both for doing this and for making all this uh, knowledge available to all of your audiences and everything. So thank you very much. I'm, I'm really, it's an honor to be here and to speak um, to you. Thank you. Yeah, We're thank honored you. for you yeah. being here as well. Exactly. When she told me, you know, about you and everything, and we talked, you know, about a month prior before you, you know, today, you know, I've, I've been hyped ever since. I've been really, really looking forward to this. And like I say, watching her, her journey, you know, spiritual journey, mindfulness journey. I'm like, man, this is going to be a really, really cool episode. And you did not disappoint, man. So thank you so much for your time and, and your wisdom and your insight and all that stuff. So thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. All right, fellow Marauders, there it is. You heard it. Panda Dasa, the Urban Monk. Go ahead and check out that book, Urban Monk, Exploring Karma, Consciousness, and the Divine. You can find it on Amazon and uh, go check out his website, uh, urban, uh, urbanmonkbook.com. And, uh, you know, reach out to him as well. We have uh, the contact, how to contact Pandit uh, via email, contact at urbanmonkbook.com. You can uh, speak to the man himself. So got something you want to maraud on? There's a number of different ways you can do that, you know, where we do our most of our dirt out there in the world at the underscore culture underscore marauders. Like us on Facebook uh, at the culture marauders. If you want to email us, uh, you know, hey, Curtis Rena or Kells Rena, you know, we want to know about this. We want to hear about this. We got this topic. Hit us up at theculturemarauders at gmail.com. And I promise you, I know I've been talking about this for like the last three episodes. The website is coming back better, <laughs> bigger and better than ever. And uh, in the meanwhile, you can still sign up for uh, for our newsletter. We got the April one here coming soon that will actually feature, uh, you know, this conversation that, uh, that we just had with Pandit. And, uh, a lot of the good stuff is coming out there. So with that, y'all, hey, that is uh, the episode, you know, mental health and mindfulness with a monk. Uh, again, thank you to our guest, Pandit Dasa. And, uh, you know, as always, we're out. One culture, one blood, one love. Peace.